we've got really good data, but there are people out there in this world that unless it's an RCT with a Cochrane review, it's never going to work. And, you know, it was interesting to hear that and see, I mean, his data is so clear, they get such good results. But, you know, do we, do we need to do RCTs? Do we have to do them? Are we well, past it? Most, of, most all of the large advances in this field uh, didn't have RCTs. They're just, uh, they're great for a drug trial, but they're not so great for this kind of technology-driven science. Um, and you can't get patients to consent to want to do them because they already uh, have a bias on whether they want to participate. And so you, it's hard to get a, uh, a, uh, a balance uh, of your, of your, uh, of your subjects in the study. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Late to the coffee table, but <laughs> better late than never. David, hi. This is David Grimes. Hi. So, uh, yeah, um, there's, there's been, you know, some really interesting stuff in the future stuff. Um, and which you were mentioning there, Mike. I mean, where do you think, where are you most excited about the future side of the PGT? Yeah, I think we look at really chromosome counting, PGTA, and certainly there's a natural limit to uh, if the embryo was truly euploid, we can't invent technology that makes it more euploid. Or if you have something like chromosome one, 250 million base pairs long, and we're seeing in every sequence read that there's three copies of that, there's not much we can do on the innovation front. But as we've seen the, the cost of sequencing go down and uh, we have higher throughput and better capacity in our instrumentation, we're able to sequence biopsies at greater depths for the same cost of the patient. And uh, I'm really curious to see if once we begin covering nucleotide changes, uh, will we really start to crack some of that black box? Jamie's data you mentioned was really great. And we see this with, with partners uh, across the world, that there's a plateau in our success rates. Maybe two out of three embryo transfers uh, result in a su uh, successful outcome, even in some of the better prognosis patients. And so we're always asking ourselves, what's the black box of that missing one third? And uh, the, potentially uh, the mother nature holds her secrets very closely, but if we begin looking uh, with a closer lens and sequencing, I think that would be exciting. Yeah, I, I can't absolutely agree. You know, we're still dabbling at the start, still looking at megabase events, and there's so much more we're gonna be able to learn about and find. Uh, it's a super exciting field, and I completely agree about the the pace of new technology innovating, which is a challenge because you also have to show that it works, not just you've innovated it. So that's something. Was, was there anything else just to the table that you found interesting today in the science, just for the first day? What did you think of the plenary, Mark? Oh, uh, so Jennifer Dudad, um, who won the Nobel Prize in 2020 in chemistry uh, from the University of California, Berkeley, uh, gave her lecture on uh, CRISPR-Cas9 and the uh, power of this. And I said about six, six, seven years ago, when it was first beginning to come out, I said, if polymerase chain reaction was the single biggest technology advance for all of Bi biology from agriculture to humans to all, all parts of biology uh, if PCR was the big technology of course it was and it won the Nobel Prize too. Uh, CRISPR-Cas9 is the next on the list and the opportunities that are already being used in clinical trials is uh, amazing and, um, and it's seemingly getting better and better and targeting is 
getting more uh, reliable um, so that you can change the genome uh, at, at, a, at a specific GPS, set your GPS to exactly what nucleotide you want to change and, uh, and it's quite effective. And it doesn't have a lot of, um, of um, side reactions uh, that could create problems elsewhere in the genome just because your technology isn't good enough. Well, it is good enough now. So then the question, of course, is will we ever want to use this for, um, for uh, removing a mutation, a le say a lethal mutation in the genome of an embryo? And, uh, and then everybody, so there's a big moratorium worldwide on this, uh, um, just self-imposed by scientists. And, and, uh, and it's, it's the ethical issues, I think, that are, are really what's behind it. It's not the technology. The technology is going to work. It's just a question of should we be changing the germline? And um, because you're not now changing an individual, you as a scientist, as a physician, are actually going to change all future generations from that embryo. And do we really know enough about this story of life to, to make those kind of changes? Or are we walking ourselves uh, down a, a plank uh, into the ocean because uh, we're just stupid? So I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's damn exciting to think that if you, if you could remove something permanently from a family tree and not have to be selecting like we do now, or you've got a patient with no normal embryo because in PGTM there's a mutation, and you could actually fix that, it's, it's tempting, but then you get into these issues of what's a disease and what's a trait and who decides. And so it, it, it certainly goes to, toward the ethical line of eugenics. And I remember when we did those first, the very first cases in 1989 of uh, PGD for cystic fibrosis, one of the sidebars that was, uh, was in all the media was, uh, are we making designer babies? And I could easily say we're not because we're not making anything. All we're doing is testing and transferring the ones that don't have the disease. Um, and, uh, but with CRISPR, that's not the case. And now it does raise the designer baby issue in a, in a pretty profound way, I think. You know, it's, it's just such a pity that, you know, we are 2021 and COVID, that she couldn't be there or we couldn't get to ask questions because I would have loved to hear her opinion on how far we are away from the feasibility of germline editing because yeah it's it's getting better but it doesn't have to be better it has to be perfect yeah and that's that's one of the challenges I think and it would have been so fantastic to have her here you know damn 2021 and everything else but yeah it was pretty cool um, anything else on the science side so Excuse me, yeah, I went to a planetary talk on big data and how that's being used to pull everything together. So Mike uh, was talking earlier about how we can sequence de deeper for the same cost. We can pull all this information together and we have other information coming in from healthcare records. How you pull that all together using modern computing to actually maybe crack that 30%. You're not going to get all 30, but you're going to get closer that we need to really get smart on how we track that data but I think there also comes at a cost to that is your personal record to live with you and your child and your their children if you're pulling all that information together and we need to be respectful of the 
not just the ethics of the science, but the ethics of data privacy, where that data is flowing, and how we manage that as a as a global organisation. But we're only going to improve a lot of these things by pulling these massive data sets together from around the world to to crack some of these challenges. It's got to be a big global, almost global effort to, to pull some of this stuff together. I think that global effort is something that came up in our session today when I was I was discussing some of the future mosaicism and I think you know, Jamie showed some really compelling data about the impact of a mosaic biopsy and, and whether or not it would predict outcomes. Uh, and in terms of the future, I think uh, you know, he's shown that and Emmanuel Viotti have really started to give some good information about the level of mosaicism. But uh, move, looking forward, we're going to be really interested in the chromosomes involved. And uh, from that perspective, I think it's really hard. Even a uh, big center like Dr. Griffos, uh, they're not going to have very many mosaic 12s to transfer. And so if we want to know what is the outcome of a certain mosaic chromosome or even a segmental, it's going to require global efforts the data have to be standardized and deposited in a way that it actually can accumulate in meaningful ways. So um, it, it wasn't mentioned here, but um, uh, we had a meeting of the International Society for PGD uh, yesterday, and they were talking about having a registry of embryos that were known mosaics that were transferred. And I think that's what we, we need. It was one of the things that we actually mentioned in our mosaicism podcast that um, we need, you know, we should be looking at further in the future. And I think that's a, you know, super yeah. interesting area because, you know, if you've had a thousand or so, a couple of thousand mosaic transfers, you need a couple of thousand of every chromosome before you start to get into the kind of minutiae that we really need to get to understand the importance of this. So, yeah, there's, there's so much yet to do there. There's some challenge there. I wonder, uh, certainly, in a standardized approach using machine learning or AI, you can rely on those calls uh, every time. Uh, it's going to be really interesting as you see many groups in the world are still using subjective interpretation. And so I'm going to be really curious to see what the impact of, uh, you know, one group might call it a mosaic and another group might call it an aneuploid based on their subjective lens. And so that's certainly going to be a challenge for some of those consortium type approaches. I mean, I couldn't agree with more with you anymore, you know, getting away from subjective calling has been one of the highlights of my scientific <laughs> career for the last few years after living with the hell of, uh, of trying to standardize human beings to call this stuff. Uh, yeah, and it, it's, it's really interesting. And one of the things that's interesting is we seem to be having a little bit of a dichotomy between groups like us that think that we can, um, that we can segment the low level and high level mosaics and other groups not seeing the impact of that. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how the technology is actually impacting on the biology. And we see it impacting on the biology to help us make decisions and others don't. So, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. It's not just the, uh, the chromosomes and the mosaicisms, but also the technology that you use to, to find that. But you're right, this is going to have to be a, um, a major worldwide effort because there's too many, there's too many variables here. Like you're just talking about um, trisomy 12, for example. Well, it isn't just that. It's trisomy 12 all by itself and no other chromosome abnormalities because otherwise you wouldn't know what the data would be telling, teaching you. So to try to find all of those isolated and then, and then what is the outcome of those embryos? And you'd have to do a, um, what's the word uh, that Jamie... Uh, non-selection. Non-selection study in order to do that. And that's... Uh, 
That's tough. Some challenges, but it's definitely an effort worth doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, uh, just in summary, we're probably going to be here in ten years' time. Hopefully, not uh, <laughs> not an exact same room, but in ten years' time, talking about this data, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be super interesting. Well, I think that was one of the fun parts that I had giving the history, which was that you could see how far it's come and realize that we're just on that curve, and it's going to keep right on going, and and to try to imagine like Mike had to do, where the hell this is going to be in 10 years, it's like, wow. And yeah. nobody's got that crystal ball. Yeah. You did a good job of crystal ball gazing, Mike. So I'd be curious to see who agrees <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah. So thanks very much, guys. And yep. uh, we look forward to the next part of the science. Yeah, that's great, guys.